Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Uh, so they raised a family. Their family then had children of their own. And that family grew up serving the Lord, went to Pensacola Christian College, got married, and now he is that missionary, Daniel Swalby. Uh, and I want you to understand what happened was that there was discipleship, and then it passed on to the next generation, and it passed on to the next generation, and because of the work of a man who went to Pensacola to pastor a church, there's a missionary now, two generations later, in India. <laughs> amazing, isn't that amazing? A blind and a deaf man gets saved. Why? Because of the faithfulness of somebody four, two generations ago. That's amazing. It's amazing to watch what God will do through our life. Now, Jesus was a disciple maker. Jesus was a disciple maker. In Matthew, or in Mark chapter 6, and that's where we stopped. Last time I was here, we were in Mark, and we're continuing through Mark. Our, our theme is Jesus, our example. We're to follow his example. We've been talking about the example uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at several things from just a short passage of Scripture. We're going to read Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. I want to tell you the story that we're going to read corresponds to another story. It's taking place at the same time. At the same, the, the same, at the same time that this is going on, there's another story that takes place, and it starts in verse 14. Verse 14, the Bible says, And Herod uh, heard of him, that is of Jesus, and it says, For his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist had, was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show themselves. From verses 14 all the way through 29 of Mark chapter uh, Mark chapter 6. It's the story of John the Baptist being placed in jail and then later being beheaded for the cause of the kingdom of Christ. That was a, that's a tragic story, a terrible story, and sometimes we get so focused on the tragedies that are taking place, we don't, for, we, oh, sorry about that, uh, we, we forget about, I, I just got louder, huh? Just clapping your hand. Do I get quieter that way? I don't know. So uh, uh, but we, what happens is we, we get so focused on the tragedies that are going on or what we consider tragedies that we don't realize the victories that are taking place. He's going to tell us a tremendous um, a story about what his disciples. Jesus is about, first of all, he's going to call 12 apostles and then he's going to send them out and great things are happening. But at the same time, what looks to us humanly as a tragedy takes place. John the Baptist is beheaded. Now, I don't want to be beheaded. I, I don't want that to happen to me. If, if I'm going to go, I'd like, well, that, it's a, actually a quick way, um, but uh, I don't want that to be the way uh, that I go. I want to go to sleep and wake up in heaven. But uh, 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 what I'm saying is this. 
we can focus on all the negativity that's all around us in the world, or we can re recognize that God is doing a miraculous work. God is advancing his kingdom, and he's doing an amazing thing. Even in our day and age, he's advancing his kingdom. He's answering prayers. If you're praying uh, what Jesus said to pray every day, uh, let your name be holy through us. Let your kingdom come through us. Let your will be done through us in, in this earth just like it's done in heaven. Give us every day everything that we need to do your will. I want you to understand, God is answering your prayer. God's kingdom is being advanced in our day and age. Some amazing things are taking place in the, for the cause of Christ. I, I'm a, I was amazed. Uh, just a week ago, uh, the, the, the Congress of the United States was in total and complete chaos. The Republicans couldn't get their act together. Everybody was fighting about everything. Every, and and I, I can remember, this is honest goodness truth, last Monday I got down and I said, God, this is absolute chaotic. Uh, we got Republicans in the Congress, they can't even get their act together. God, they're fighting amongst themselves, and, and this is horrible. God, can you do something? Just put one of your children there, and put one of your children uh, as the Speaker of the House, and let them have a unanimous vote. I prayed that. People said, how come we got a Christian, conservative Speaker of the House? How, how come that happened? Because I prayed for it, that's why. I pray, and the very next day, I'm telling you, and I woke up, I thought, and I, I heard this, this, this stuff, and I thought, what? What? God, you answer prayer. I, I shouldn't have been shocked, but, uh, but, but I want you to understand, I, I really believe God's doing some amazing things, and sometimes we focus on the negative instead of thanking God for the positives. Here comes the notes. Look at that. They're coming your way uh, as we speak. Anyway, so uh, in Mark chapter 6, I don't know how I got off on all that except to say that God wants us to understand. Jesus, our example, was somebody who called disciples. Look what it says in verse, uh, in, in chapter 6 and starting with <clears throat> verse 7. The Bible says this, and, and he called unto him the twelve, and he began to send them forth by two and two. And he gave them power over unclean spirits <clears throat> and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse. Now listen, at the same time this is happening, John the Baptist is taken as a prisoner. God doesn't ever, nothing stops the kingdom of God. This was the one who was called to announce that the kingdom of God was coming. Nothing stops the kingdom of God. And as he's being taken prisoner, as he's heading to heaven, God has 12 that he's sending out to advance the kingdom that John announced. The Bible says, and he commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but he shod, he be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, in what place soever you enter into a house, there abide. When you go someplace, you go there, you stay there. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when you depart, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. 
Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out. So Jesus, John again is taken, taken prisoner, and we know from other gospels that they knew about that. But they're going, they're going out, and they're preaching the same gospel. The Bible says, and they went out, and they preached that men should repent that has changed their mind, and cast out many devils, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. Several things I want you to see in this story. First of all, and I've emphasized this already, that Jesus calls disciples. Jesus calls disciples. In Matthew chapter 10, and this is in your notes, in Matthew chapter 10, it says, tells us the name of those disciples. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the publican, that is a tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Livius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. I want you to see this, and the reason I wanted to read those names is because if you have read the Word of God and you understand the Word of God, you'll know that as we read about these people, these 12 apostles, they were all different. I mean, they were, they were, they were a strange collection of people. We need to understand that disciples are different. Uh, uh, Peter was bold and aggressive, and he's always sticking his foot in his mouth, somewhat like some of us. Uh, just, uh, we're going to go out there, and we're going to do it. I'm going to do the work for Jesus, uh, before Jesus gets to it. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. That's Peter, the aggressive uh, fisherman. And then there was James, James and John. James and John were like, uh, uh, together, they were, uh, they're, they're called in another place, the sons of thunder. That's a nickname that Jesus gave to them. Why? Because they're always hot and bothered about something. Somebody doesn't preach uh, exactly or do exactly what they think they ought to be doing. And John and James say, go to Jesus and say, hey, should we call? They didn't follow us. They're not doing exactly what we want them to do. They're not looking exactly the way we look. They, they're, not do, they're not speaking the way we speak. Should we just call fire from heaven down to consume them? They wanted to see something cool. You know, uh, kill them, God, and uh, we can watch it. Let us call down the fire. And Jesus said, don't you realize what spirit you're of? And so these were, again, aggressive guys. But we also see a soft side of John. We see John was the beloved disciple. John wrote that about himself. He, he's the one at, at the, at the uh, Lord's Supper that put his head on Jesus' uh, chest and, and talked to him, had a really personal, close relationship. Uh, with the Lord. And so, uh, totally different than Peter, the bold, aggressive guy. Then there's Matthew, the publican. I mean, this guy's a tax collector. I, I imagine that when Jesus called him, all the other disciples looked and thought, this, this is really strange. Does not Jesus know who he is? Then there was Simon, who was the zealot. Uh, it's not referred to as a zealot in this passage, but he is, he is the zealot. He's the one who, who wanted to overthrow Rome. That was his whole idea. The whole movement of the zealots was, look, we're oppressed, we are, we are depressed, and we want to do something to, to revolt against Roman authority, and uh, he's now called. All of these people are different. So the idea is this, disciples disciples are, are not the same. 
There is no such thing as a cookie-cutter Christian. Uh, we, we're not supposed to look at everybody and expect them to look, act, walk, and talk just like us. You know what they're supposed to do? They're supposed to believe what we believe. And what is that? The basics that Jesus Christ is God, that we are all sinners, and that because we're sinners, none of us deserve to go to heaven. But Jesus Christ loved us in spite of that, and so God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. He came to this earth for one reason, not to have an exciting time on earth. He came to this earth for one reason. Somebody had to die to pay for the sins of mankind. And so Jesus became a man so he could come to this earth, die, and pay the penalty of all of mankind's sin. How could he do that? How could one man do that for all of mankind? Because that one man was also the one God. And he could be everywhere at the same time. He could be in the past, present, and future all at the same time. So at one time in space and time, he could die for all of man's sins all at one time. And he did that. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. He died for the sins of the world, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1. So he died for all of mankind's sin. He was buried. He stayed in the grave three days and three nights so we would know that he was dead, dead. He wasn't just swooning. He was dead, dead. And on the third day, he rose from the dead, dead. And he was seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses. That's why we know that, that uh, he is alive. And then he went back to heaven. Now he says, I've already paid for your sin in your place. You have to admit that you deserve to go to hell. You have to understand that I did what I did to pay for your sin in your place. And if you'll allow me to be your substitute and you call on me and ask me to be your Lord and Savior and God, then I will, I will give you my spirit. I'll give you spiritual life that I died to give you. And when you die physically, your soul and spirit will go to be with God in heaven. That's, that's the gospel. That's the good news. <clears throat> now, when we get saved... The, we, we believe those basic truths. All of us believe those basic truths. But I want you to understand that, that our minds aren't perfect and that we don't all think alike. Now, when we all get to heaven, everybody will think just like me. Everybody will know things just like I know things. They'll understand that I was right about everything. Uh, but, but until then, we're all different. We think different, we do things differently, we dress differently, we, we look at things in different ways, we have different, um, we have different backgrounds, and so we, we have to understand that God made us different. I love the, the uh, television series, The Chosen. You say, you think everything's right about that? No, The Chosen is not the Word of God, but it's a wonderful story to show us it's a wonderful short story to show us that all the disciples were different. And I love the fact that it brings out all these personality quirks in all the different uh, disciples that were there. They're different. They're, there's, 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 they're, they had strange people there too. I tell people, when you got saved, you were born again into the family of God. Now, I don't know about your family, but, but in my family... We, we had some strange ducks when we were growing up. I mean, we, uh, we had, I, I had an aunt named Romaine. We loved her dearly. We treated her wonderfully. But Aunt Romaine, when she was eight years old, I'm sorry, when she was a baby, was being held by my eight-year-old aunt at that time. And she was dropped down a bunch of cement stairs, and it affected her brain. And so Aunt Romaine was strange. She did strange things. She acted strange. She was very unusual and and but we loved her we loved her 
But, but you would look at Aunt Romaine and say, yeah, every family has one. Well, I want you to understand, in the family of God, there's a lot of them. And you may be that one. I, I'm not sure, but uh, here, here's the deal. Disciples are different. And that's just the point. Jesus called these different disciples. And he wants you and I to make disciples too. The Bible says this. In Matthew chapter 28, what we call the Great Commission, the Bible says that Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word teach means to make disciples. In fact, that's, how it, that's exactly the way it read, reads in the Greek. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the, uh, to the disciples. He's talking to the foundation of the local church. The purpose of the church is to make disciples. So he says, he says, you go and you do what I've told you, what I've done with you. I made disciples out of you. Now you go out and you find people who will believe that Jesus Christ died for them, was buried and rose from the dead, and then you make them into disciples. We say here at Liberty Baptist Church that we want you to get saved, and then we want to take you from being saved to becoming students of the Word. That is a disciple. We want you to become disciples. And the fact of the matter is, we should all be discipling. Now, who are you discipling? That's the question. Jesus said, you go out and you disciple. Who are you discipling? There's all sorts of, you say, well, I don't have anybody to disciple. Oh, yeah, you do. In your family. If you're a leader in your family, if you're a father or a mother, uh, if you're an older brother, you can disciple others within your family. It's important that we understand my job my job primarily as a husband was to disciple my wife. And, and, and that was tough because she knew more about the Bible than I did. And uh, so, but my job is still to disciple her. My, my, my job is to bring her along and to help her grow in Christ. My, my job as a father was to disciple, uh, to disciple my five children. And now my job as a grandfather is to help my children disciple their children. Within your family, you should be a discipler. And you need to look at yourself that way. You need to look at yourself as somebody who other people are looking up to. Because listen, no matter how little you know about the Bible, you know more than somebody else. That's the truth. No matter how little you know about the Bible, you know more about the Bible than somebody else. I was... I was um, just at last week at Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach. And uh, I was getting up, I was going to preach on prayer. And as I got up, uh, at, b before I got up to preach, I was sitting in the very back row and I was putting on a microphone and a guy comes up and he sits down next to me. And he said, I got to tell you something. He said, I got to tell you something. He said, the last time you were here, you preached on prayer. And it totally and completely changed my prayer life. It totally changed my life. My walk with God has been totally different. And that was a year and a half ago. And I thought, that's great. God allowed me to partially disciple him in this area of prayer. I was able to bring him along in prayer. I'm telling you, there are people that are waiting for you to open your mouth and share your life with them. That is discipling. I tell people that a message from the mind reaches the mind. A message from the heart reaches the heart. But a message from your life 
will transform people's lives. And you need to share your life with your family, with not only that, but with your friends. There are people around you that, that, that you need to share truth with. Can I tell you this? that I have learned Bible truth from people who have not been Christians as long as I have been a Christian. Uh, because everyone is, is, the Holy Spirit is working through every one of us. We need one another. There are things that you could teach me that I, that I, that I, I, that I don't know. And that, that's, that's just absolutely the truth. You say, well, man, you've been a Christian like for 46 or I don't know how many years. I can't be because I'm not that old. And so, uh, uh, but, but I'm telling you, uh, God can use you and God can to, to minister to even those that are older than you in the Lord. And then children and adults. Uh, in Sunday school. You can disciple people by being in Sunday school. You could disciple people by working in Awana. You can disciple people in all sorts of different ways. The fact is, you should either be growing as a disciple or, being dis or, or be discipling others. Right now, what we're doing is discipling. Right now, we're teaching the Word of God. We're looking at what Jesus did, and we're saying, and we're looking at, we're, we're teaching the Word of God. This is disciple-making here in, in the evening. So we call it Bible study and prayer meeting, and we look at missionaries, but the, 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 what we're doing right now is discipling, and as you, so you should be growing, but then beyond that, you should be discipling somebody else. Uh, that's, that's what we do here at Liberty Baptist Church. That's what our focus is. In fact, our theme is developing disciples for Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about. That's what we do Sunday morning. That's what we do in connection classes. If you're not in a connection class on Sunday night and you're able to be here on Sunday night, you're missing out on something God wants for you. And you say, well, I'm not in a connection class, but I'd like to teach a connection class. Then talk to Pastor Matt and, and say, hey, get involved. Just get involved in discipling. That's what, that's what our, our discipleship ministry is all about. You can be involved in, uh, on Wednesday evening. You can, you can go <clears throat> as a couple and be discipled by another couple. Or as an individual, you can be discipled by an individual. As, as a man, discipling a man or a woman, <clears throat> Discipling a woman. You can get involved in discipleship on a one-on-one -on -one basis, I, I, I think, right now. Uh, and I haven't been back there for a while, but, but, uh, but I think right now we have people that are on a one-on-one -on -one basis being discipled. In fact, I walked into my office and there was a couple that was being discipled by, uh, by Pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Neil and Charity and uh, they're, they're going through discipleship. And so and discipleship isn't just a program. It's not a, a series of lessons, though we do use lessons. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a life-sharing time where you take a lesson and then you, you pour your life into somebody else one-on-one. -on -one. You should get involved. Uh, in, in, the, in, the in, the, in the next year, we've already planned for, uh, for uh, Financial Peace University, uh, which will be videoed, but it will be discipleship in the area of, of Christian finance. Th there'll be building a kingdom family, which is videoed, but will be discipling in the area of building your family. Get involved in those things because, again, you should either be growing as a disciple or be being discipled or, or, or be discipling somebody else. Do those things. Number one, Jesus called disciples. But number two, 
Jesus sent out disciples. Jesus sent out disciples. I love this. The Bible says it in verse 7. It says, and he called them unto him, uh, the twelve, and he began to send them forth two by two. Now the question is, why did he send them forth two by two? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you several reasons that he sent them out two by two. Number one, there's safety in, in, in numbers. You know, if you go out and you're just witnessing to somebody, you can, you can put yourself in a position where you can get accused of wrong things, especially in our day and age. I'm telling you, people are looking for, uh, looking for uh, the opportunity to attack Christians and to falsely accuse Christians. You, you watch what happens to the Speaker of the House in the next month or two if it takes that long. In fact, the day after he was announced as speaker, uh, he became the devil. Uh, and uh, I just, it's just a horrible, terrible man who, who supports things like, like pro-life movement and, uh, and, and, and actually asked people to pray uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the halls of Congress. I mean, what a, what a horrible, wicked man uh, this is. Uh, he's this, you know, he's like, he's been compared to a Muslim terrorist. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, we need to understand it's important that there's safety in numbers. I, I don't go anywhere by myself. I don't disciple people by myself. I, I, people, as, I'm, as we're traveling, people will say, are you bringing your wife? And I say, yes. I say, whither I goeth, she goeth, whether she liketh it or not. Uh, I, I am not going someplace. I've pastored in Las Vegas for 46 years. There's not anybody going to make ac any accusations against me because my wife is with me all the time. You can't have an affair if your wife is right there. You understand? Hey, that rhymes. I was a poet and didn't know it. Uh, but th that's the facts. If you, you guard yourself, you protect yourself. So I, I think he sent them out uh, for protection uh, against accusations. I think he sent them out two by two uh, because there's encouragement in numbers. I mean, when, when uh, somebody's mistreating you or saying bad, it's nice to have somebody saying, hey, you're a good guy. You're a nice guy. I don't know about you, but I like encouraging words. I like it when people say, hey, you're a great guy. I like that. I love it when my wife tells me how wonderful I am, when she says, you're a hunk. I love that. And uh, I, I love it. I love it when uh, when words of affirmation are my, is my love language. And when people affirm me, I just, uh, I, I just love it. I need that encouragement. Uh, it's interesting that some of the greatest preachers in history had problems with depression uh, because, uh, it, uh, because, and they needed someone to encourage them. We need encouragement, and there's encouragement in numbers. And then there's help in numbers. There's help in numbers. Uh, uh, if I'm trying to talk to somebody and there's a distraction that comes up, then th if I have somebody there helping me, then they can take care of the distraction. I can remember when I first started going out uh, soul winning, I was just a teenager. I had a friend who was married and he was like in his, he was 20 and I think I was 17. Uh, and we would go out soul winning together and his wife would stay home and him and I would go out soul winning. Well, we, we, I remember going up to a door one time, knocking on the door and uh, uh, and we went to this house, and this lady was there, and she had like five or six or 
kids. And she lived in an apartment complex, so there was a bunch of other kids who knew her kids. And so uh, we, were, we were sitting in the living room, and we're, we're, we're talking to uh, this lady about how to get saved. And as we're talking to her about how to get saved, Larry was, was leading the conversation, and I thought, wow, her kids just kept coming in and kept coming in and kept coming in and interrupting and interrupting and interrupting. And uh, so I thought, I can take care of this. Uh, I said, hey, kids, come over here. And I took them. This is a dumb thing that I did. I was only 17 years old. I, I said, come out here. And I got them all outside. And they got their friends around. And I told their, all their, these kids, like 14 of them, how to get saved. And I'm talking to them. I'm excited about telling them how to get saved. I forgot that I left Larry in the living room with this woman who wasn't a Christian. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out. And I'm excited because a, a bunch of those kids prayed to receive Christ. And I walk in and Larry's got this panicked look on his face because this woman is aggressively uh, coming on to him and so we left very quickly. Uh, so there's protection, but there's also uh, being able to, to handle distractions and to answer questions that others might have. So Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. I want you to see that. And then um, I think this is interesting. I want you to read this again with verse seven. Look what it says. And he called unto, uh, unto him the 12 and began to send them out uh, send them forth two by two. Now listen to this. This is really, really important. And this is important for you. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. Now listen to that. He gave them power over unclean spirits. He didn't just give them power over unclean spirits. Look in verse 13. The Bible says, and they cast out many devils. Why? Because he gave them power over unclean spirits. And he anointed with oil many that were sick. Or they, I'm sorry, and they anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. I want you to see this, that um, God wants us to use what has given to us. God wants us to use what is given to us. Now, there are some things that God has given you that he didn't give them. He gave them power over unclean spirits. He gave them power over unclean spirits. He also, as we saw, gave them the ability to heal the sick. Now, that's great. But I want you to understand that he didn't give that power to everyone. He gave it to that, the, the 12 that were there. Um, not everyone has that power. There, was, there were uh, some Jewish kids. Uh, they were the seven sons of Sceva. They're mentioned in, in Acts chapter 19. Paul was given power over unclean spirits, and he cast out demons. But, and, and the Bible says these vagabond Jews... Uh, these seven sons of Sceva saw what Paul was doing, and they thought, hey, we're going to do that. In Acts chapter 19, it says this, then, and this is in your notes, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth, and there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? 
And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I warn you that God may not have given you what he gave the twelve, the power over unclean spirits. And when you mess around with this whole idea of casting out demons, and there's, a, there's like a popular move about that today, when you're messing around with something you know little about, you can get in trouble. You don't want to be the guy that's running out of the house naked. Uh, that's not a good for your testimony. It doesn't advance the kingdom of God. So be careful to understand what it is that God has given you power over. He said, I'm giving you power over unclean spirits. Obviously, he's given them power to heal the sick. What has God given you power over? What has God given you power over? You say, he hasn't given me power over anything. Oh, yeah, he has. Personally, what's he given you power over? There's things in your life. I, I mentioned this a couple of uh, times ago that we, when I was here. Uh, uh, I, I, there are things in my life personally in my life, that God's given me power over. He's given me the name Tice. Uh, my Tice, people always ask me, is that, this happened last week, is that name German or is it Scandinavian or where did it come from? I said it's actually a, a transliteration of a Lebanese name. My name is actually Abu Kais. People say, really? Abu Kais? Yes, that's me, your pastor, Pastor David Abu Kais. Uh, that's, that's my name. And you say, how do you use that? God's given me power over that. You know what I can do? I can use that all the time. I witness to people from the Mideast all the time, and I use the fact that I have a Lebanese background. I use the fact that I eat Mediterranean food. I use the fact that, that my dad was Lebanese and uh, an orphan uh, from Lebanon that, that, that migrated over here. I use the fact that he was an immigrant and that I'm the son of an immigrant. Man, all these things God's given me power over, they're just personal things. My background, and, and God's given you a background. God's given you things you can talk about. I uh, Somebody says I was raised in a single-parent home. I say I was raised in a single-parent home too because my dad died when I was 10 years old and my mother I was a single mother. And uh, I, I, people talk about their family. Uh, people talk about alcoholism. I say I have a brother that was a drunk, and he really was, and he was just a, an abusive drunk. And I, and I can talk to people. Everything about you, God has given you power over. And you need to use that. Jesus said to him, look, you take what I've given you and you use it. I give you power over these things. Use these things. God's not just giving you personally things. He's giving you spiritual gifts. My spiritual gift is a gift of encouragement or exhortation. The Bible uses that word. It's the gift of encouragement. He's also given me the gift of teaching. I... I He's also giving me a loud microphone from time to time. He's, he's given me the gift of teaching. So I, I, those, those things, God's given me power over there. I want to make sure that I use what God has given me for his glory in my family, in my life, in, in, uh, in my ministry, in my work. God's given me. He's also given you power over your life, in your home. God's given you a home. You should use that home for the glory of God. Last night... We were invited over to John and Faith's house. John and Faith 
live in a neighborhood that is absolutely nuts uh, at Halloween. I'm not always nuts. It's a very nice neighborhood. Uh, but at Halloween, right across the street from their house is a house where they have, they have like a band that they, 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 they have, and, there's, and they stand in front of the garage and lights are flickering and, and things are going and people are, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, it, it's like uh, Mardi Gras in, uh, in New Orleans. I mean, people are coming down the streets in hordes. I live right around the corner in a gated community, only 56 houses. Nobody comes to my door. Nobody's knocking at my, nobody cares. Nobody, you know, and I tell people all the time, I, I'm not for all the pagan garbage of Halloween and I'm against that junk, but, but the fact of the matter is it's the only day of the year that people come to your door asking for tracks. And so I, I, uh, we pass out tracks. We used to, when people came to our door, they don't. But John and Faith, they had, last night, they had 590 people receive tracks. They use, you say, what, what are you talking, why, why are you saying this? Because they used their home for the glory of God. Uh, and there were several Christian family members from our church who actually w were over there and uh, helping pass out tracts and doing uh, great things. In fact, I think somebody, uh, somebody in uh, uh, LBA is going to win an award for passing out the most tracts uh, and using, uh, using last night. It's a wonderful thing. Use your home. Use your business. Use your business for the glory of God. God's giving you power over that. Uh, train your children. God's giving you power over your children. Train your children. My, my children were crazy when it came to me giving out gospel tracts because we trained them. So I would go someplace and my grandkids do the same thing. I talk to somebody and my grandkids, before I have any, even have a chance to be cool about it, you know, when you're passing out tracts, you're supposed to do it like delicately and you're supposed to, you know, but they have no delicacy about it. Uh, somebody talks to me and all of a sudden, if I'm with Lincoln, are you going to give me a track? Are you going to give them a track? Just hush. Don't, they don't even know what a track is. Uh, and you can't say that. You just got to say, yeah, I'll, I'll get to it. Uh, uh, the, I mean, they're, they're anxious about giving them a track. Give them a track. Give them a track. Uh, why? Because they've been trained that, that way. Listen, um, my wife, my wife years ago, uh, when, when, um, uh, uh, when JT, uh, when Jonathan uh, Tice was just uh, about two years old, and he could just barely talk, two and a half years old. Uh, my, my wife said, we were babysitting him, or she was babysitting the kids, and she said, she said okay, uh, we're going to get the, the stroller out. And he said, oh, good. Are we going to go soul winning? He said, well, and she was just about to walk him down to the park. And, and, but he had, every time he got in that stroller, it meant mom and dad were going to go door knocking. They were just planning a brand new church. And so they, they, they learned that from them. What I'm saying is disciple your children. Uh, you, you, use your internet. You say, I don't have any way to reach out to people. Use the internet. I just, I told the Lord, uh, I, I, I just really felt like God was burdening me to do this. In November, I'm, I'm going to be on Facebook. You say, well, I don't have many followers on Facebook. If you have four followers, you could, you could impact them every single day with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it's something you've given, been given power over. I, I just got, felt really impressed uh, to, do so, to do a, uh, a month of praying 
on the internet, praying the same thing every single day, praying the, through the Lord's Prayer list on the internet and encouraging people with just a verse of Scripture. And I'm doing that. I started today, and I'm going to be doing that uh, uh, all the way through the 30 days of November, just encouraging people. You can use the internet. You can use X. Quit complaining about it and start using it. Every vile person in America uh, uses X. You say, what's X? That's, t that's what Twitter, it's, it's the new name for Twitter. You can use that. I'm saying if God's given you an ability, use it. Use your Facebook account. Use your car for the glory of God. Take a, uh, a, a, uh, a bumper sticker that says uh, KVXL 101.1. Use it. Use what God has given you power over. That's what he told his disciples to do. I've given you power over these things, so use them. Now, the next thing you need to understand is this, that Jesus gave them all that they needed. You say, well, I would like to be able to do this. Well, if you, God hasn't empowered you to do that, then don't worry about it. If God wants you to go to the next step, then go to the next step. But if God's made you a businessman, then use your business for the glory of God. Don't worry about what you can't do. Do what you can do. David was limited by God. God had made him a warrior. God had taken him from being a shepherd of sheep, brought him to a place where he's killing a giant, and he becomes a warrior in the land of Israel. He becomes the king, but he's a warrior king. And then he says, I want to build God a temple. God says, no, you can't do it. And he said, why? And he said, because you're a warrior, and I don't want people that have shed blood to build my kingdom. He could have said, well, God, you made me a warrior but he didn't. He said, I'm going to let your son build the temple. And so all he did was he collected all the stuff so his son could build the building. Look, what I'm saying is this. Uh, uh, God will give you everything you need. He says this. He says, take nothing for the journey. Don't take anything for the journey in verse 8 and 9. He says, he says uh, and the idea is this. Uh, trust Jesus' word. He said he'll supply. He'll supply what you need. I, um, I don't need, as a pastor here, I don't need, a, I don't need what a pastor of, of a church that's running uh, 20,000 needs. I also don't need what a church running 50 needs. I need, I need what God wants me to do in this church. I, I need to understand that God has uniquely called you. God has uniquely called you, Curtis, and, and given you a particular call on your life. Ken, he's given you a particular call on your life. Jamie, he's given you a particular call on your life. And what you need to do, Mike, is not figure out what it is that you want to do that you can't do. Just say, okay, I'm going to do what you want me to do, and I'm going to trust you to supply what I need. Trust is an amazing thing. Trust in other Christians and trust in the Lord is so, so important. Trust God to use you where he has called you. He said, don't take any script. The word script means a wallet, uh, something that you're taking with you to, to take your supplies. It's a leather sack to carry provisions in. He said, don't take any bread with you. Now, that's hard for a Baptist to understand. Got to have food. Got to have food. My, if, we, if I'm ever taking a trip across country, my wife has that motorhome like packed with stuff just in case in the middle of summer we get stuck in a snowstorm. Uh, there's food for us to eat in that place. Uh, but he said, look, don't take any bread with you. Uh, no money. That mon the word money there means money. And so don't take money with you. And then he says this. This is all you need to take. Take your shoes and your clothes. That's it. 
um, in 1 Timothy, the Bible says, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Just do what God wants you to do. God gave them everything that they needed. He'll, he'll open, he said, the hearts of the people uh, you serve to take care of your needs. That's what he says. Now look in verse 10. Look at verse 10. It says, And he said unto them, In what place soever you enter into a house, there abide till you depart from that place. In verse 11, and, what's, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now he knew that some people were going to reject him. He knew that some people were going to reject the message. But Jesus told them, he t- Jesus told them who to talk to. Okay, anytime you go out and make a determined effort to witness to people, whether it's saying, I'm going to carry tracks with me, and I'm going to uh, hand tracks to anybody that talks to me. My, my wife and I's a very simple pledge to each other, it's not even a pledge, it's just something we decided to do a long time ago, is if somebody talks to us, they're asking for a track. doesn't matter what they talk to us about. If, they're, they're, if they say hi, hey, you're asking me for a track. I was walking out of, of Sam's Club yesterday, and a lady said, thank you so much. I thought, oh, she wants a track. I really didn't want to hand her a track because I thought she does, she's, she's going to reject the track. But I said, here, can I give this to you? And to my surprise, she said, oh, thank you very much. And uh, people most times will say, thank you very much. But every once in a while, Mario, you, this, you've probably never had this happen to you as an insurance salesman, uh, but sometimes people will be nasty. Very seldom, but uh, they, they can be nasty. And, and when they do, uh, Satan says, see, you don't, you don't ever want to pass out of track again. No, look, um, uh, uh, here's what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. Here's who you talk to. Uh, those who receive them, teach them. That's it. It's very simple. He says, if they, they want to hear from you, then teach them. But if they don't listen, if they don't listen, wait, then just walk. That's it. Just walk away. Uh, there are people that are going to receive you, and there's people that aren't. It's just that simple. It's just as simple as saying, you don't want it, you don't have to have it. I'm not going to force somebody to live the Christian life. I'm not going to force. I think sometimes we are, are wrong in our, in our, in our Christian uh, uh, politics to try and force people that are not Christians to live like Christians. I think it's very important that we stand up for believers' uh, uh, rights and that we stand for truth. But, but we, be, we need to be careful about trying to force people to believe what we believe. They, the only person that can make a person believe what we believe is the Holy Spirit of God. And you can teach truth, but some people are going to reject truth. That's just the way it is. Jesus said if they, they reject you, walk away. If they receive you, just keep teaching them and teaching them and teaching them. Teach the truth. This is discipleship. And this is what our lives are supposed to be all about. And so Jesus taught disciples. Jesus called disciples. Jesus sent them out. Jesus gave them all they needed. And Jesus told them to, who to talk to. Uh, I want you to see who, what the ministry of the disciples was because it, this ends up by telling us. It says in verses 12 and 13, And they went out and they preached that men should repent. 
and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. This is what, this is what they did. They did exactly what God wanted them to do. They preached repentance. Now, what does repentance mean? Repentance means to change your mind. Now, when I change my mind about something, then it'll change my action. And a lot of people get that confused, that a change of action with a change of mind. People say, well, I saw this person, they said they got saved, but they're still doing the things they used to do. Look, uh, a change of mind will lead me to a change of action, but it might take me a little while to get involved in that action, all right? I changed my mind a long time ago about what I should and shouldn't eat. When I was a kid, I thought I shouldn't eat broccoli. I thought I shouldn't eat uh, cauliflower. I thought I shouldn't eat peas, and I still believe that. I, it's a conviction, uh, not a preference. And so uh, I, I, there were certain things that I thought I shouldn't do. And But I grew up, I, I grew into understanding that, that I shouldn't have ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, I, I know that's true. I know that's true. But it took me a little while to change my action. Though my mind was changed, it took me a little while to change my action. I'm looking down at Rob. Rob is the most disciplined athlete that I know personally. Uh, and, I mean, it's just amazing. So he can't even relate to what I'm talking about. But, but, uh, but it, uh, there's... there's there's this food thing, and I changed my mind about what I should eat, but it took me a long time. In fact, I'm still working at it, uh, what, I, what, I, what, I, what I should be doing. So don't get upset with somebody. Uh, when, when you look at their life and you say, Christians shouldn't be doing that, understand they may have changed their mind, but they haven't changed their action yet because it's difficult. Um, they've changed their mind about about. What, what were they supposed to change their mind about? They're, they're, they need to change their mind about whether the king is going to come. They're, they're saying, hey, the king has come. The kingdom's been established. Jesus is here. And they needed to change their mind about it. They needed to change their mind about salvation by grace instead of salvation by works. They've been taught all their life that, they were, that you got saved by being a Jew and following the, the law. And they're coming along saying, no, the Messiah has come and he's come to save you from your sins. So they were there to do that. They, they, they were there also to cast out devils. They were there also. They were anointed, and we saw this, uh, and many people uh, with oil, and, they, and sick, the sick were healed. Uh, th these were the messages that they had to preach, and they were sent out to do that. Now look, God's given you and me a message. Jesus said, this is what Jesus did. Jesus called disciples and he sent out disciples. And he wants you and me to understand that that's what we are. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus, as our example, teaches us that we are to be disciples. And we are to take what God, that means a, a disciple is a learner. Somebody that learns from him and then follows his example. So let's follow Jesus' example. Let's, let's decide that we're going to be involved in discipleship, either learning and then taking what we learn and teaching it to others. Take that step from being saved to becoming the student that God wants you to be. That's where we need to focus, becoming what God wants us to be and then helping others, helping others to take that step. Get involved in discipleship because that's what Christians do. Jesus is our example. Let's pray. Father, help us to take what we've heard Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to be disciplers.
And I ask this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.